Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Victoria Benyon, and the founder of the Victoria Benyon Podcast Booking Agency. And you're listening to The Best Guest, the podcast for business owners, creatives, and entrepreneurs who want to harness the power of podcasts to grow their platforms and increase their visibility. We're here to support you on your journey, bringing you actionable tips with each episode. Now, let's Hello begin. Hello and welcome to The Best Guest. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome international mindset coach Suzanne Kohlberg to the podcast. Suzanne is a speaker and author of The Beginning is Shit, an unapologetic weight loss memoir. When the book opens, the reader is dropped into Suzanne's life as a little girl struggling with her weight. And I honestly felt quite emotional reading it. So I'm really looking forward to speaking to Suzanne today. Suzanne believed women often gain weight because they give too much to others. They overeat because they overgive. Suzanne's passion for helping women is fueled by her own weight loss journey, going from 330 pounds to maintaining the healthy 158 pounds she is now. Suzanne helps her clients deal with negative patterns of behavior, build confidence and create lasting change like she has experienced with her own incredible body transformation. Hi, Suzanne. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm great, Victoria. Thank you so much for having me. Now, I've been really looking forward to speaking to you. I loved your book when I read it. I was saying in, when I was just doing your introduction, that was really emotional, actually. You write really well. You really put the reader into how you were feeling. So what made you want to write your book? That's a great question. It's so funny you mentioned the book because I literally, like just before we got on to record, got my first two-star review and part of me was cut, but part of me was like, I'm a real author now. <laughs> I was just going to say it's absolutely rite of passage for an author. I kind of actually loved it. I digress. What made me want to write a book? That's an awesome question. Ever since I was a child, I wanted to write a book because, I don't know, it was just a lifelong dream. I'm an avid reader. Uh, to this day, I still read at least one, often two or three books a week. Currently one, say, fiction and one personal development. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that. And then when I... When I was losing weight, I was obsessed with before and after stories. Like I would read them religiously, every single one I came across, but I never found one where anybody kind of went up and down. It was always like, my life was terrible. And then I discovered and I was cured and I rode off into the sunset. And even shows like The Biggest Loser, you see the before and you see the after. What happens after the after? Like no one ever says anything about that. No, you're so right. I felt called to write the book, like because I couldn't find the book that mirrored a story like mine, where his weight went up and down and up and down and up and down. I was like, maybe I'm just supposed to write it. So I did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. Did it take you long to write? So I started writing it in 2018. So, and I spent about six months and I actually was working with a book coach at the time. And she was very much into like PR and being in television. And it kind of really freaked me out. I'm very introverted, hence why I like podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) And it was just becoming too big. And the pressure of like using it as, I never wrote the book as a positioning tool. Like one of my pet peeves is a book that is just basically a business card. It doesn't have any substance. So I, it felt more like the story was being shaped by an agenda that I didn't feel aligned with and I didn't want, so you've read the book. So the point that I wrote up to 
was basically when I started releasing weight for the final time, like the real thing. And it was wanting to be positioned in a certain way so that I looked really good and got lots of PR, but that wasn't the story I wanted to tell. So I actually ended up parking it for three years <laughs> and I picked it back up last year in, in 2021 and and continued it and I wrote it and published it myself in my own way and it was my story and for me what I wanted from it was so that I could hold it and flip the pages and feel like an author and what happened afterward that's been really powerful. I like that you did it yourself you really do have control if you go that route don't you? Yes and you're not positioned in a certain way or things that you have to say or makeup that you have to wear because I'm a one take no fake mum bun kind of person (laughs) (laughs) and yeah I won't change. That's good that's good I like that. So with your own weight loss kept your weight off quite consistently how do you keep on track? be honest I'm carrying a few COVID kilos at the moment I think we all are I don't know how many because I don't actually weigh myself anymore I haven't weighed myself since I had surgery because I need to know for that like you know even without scales your clothes feel a bit firmer you've got a bit of a moon phase happening (laughs) (laughs) instead of panicking now and going okay Mm -hmm. what do I do and running to a diet or a program it's kind of more of a like red light or a sign where do I need to start taking care of myself so instead of cueing the panic it's kind of like you know this is my go-to I slip back into poorer eating habits and you know overgiving. <laughs> and so it's just kind of like okay what needs to change here gently and kindly from a place of you know mm-hmm. lasting rather than panic and fast and I'm it's like you know mowing weeds and then as soon as you stop it starts growing back absolutely so overgiving that's something that you talk about quite a lot what does overgiving look like people when I talk about overgiving often will panic about oh well I don't want to be stingy like I'm a generous person and I explain it like giving and receiving Mm-hmm. Uh, like inhaling and exhaling you can't have one without the other if you continually exhale eventually you'll take a big breath in so people who overgive end up over consuming in some way whether it be food or netflix or work overworking over scrolling uh, xbox apps you, you, you name it and what tends to happen is we we want to make a change, like we want to start a business or write a book, <laughs> she says, having taken three years to do it, um, lose weight. We have a goal in mind and we're like, okay, this is going to be the time. And we make a plan, like maybe hire a coach, start a course, clean out our fridge, clean out our pantry. Like we know what to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then somebody will be like, could you just, could you just pick up my scripts, I need to vent, I need some help with, you know, whatever. Like someone asks us for something and we drop our plans and rush to help. Mm -hmm. So overgiving is where we are more afraid of saying no because people might not like us anymore or they'll make it mean something about us. Mm -hmm. And then we put our plans on the back burner and eventually once we've overgiven we kind of fall into resentment whether or not we admit it to ourselves yeah. <laughs> and then we overconsume by overeating over scrolling over netflixing and then we're like why do I never have time for myself I never get anything done 
I just need to find the right plan. Yeah. So then we're like, we go researching the right diet or the right business coach or the right platform. Like, oh, I need Instagram because Facebook's not doing it for me. Or it's the algorithm or nonsense. But really what it comes down to is learning to say no in a way that feels good to others so that you can say yes to yourself and do the things that you plan to do. You think women are more prone to saying yes? It's interesting you should ask that. I would say nominally yes, but men might do it in other ways. So I I find it really interesting because overworking might be more a masculine trait, but because it's celebrated in society, it's not, you know, it's like, yeah, I worked a 60 hour, 80 hour week. Oh yeah, good thing. But it's like, did you connect with your family or your children mm-hmm. or um, any, not to be judgy, but it's like, oh, well, no. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of like, in, I think it can show up just as much in men, but they, the ways that they do it, it, it doesn't show as much because it's like what we'd slap each other on the back and go, yeah, they're a good provider. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's really interesting. I don't thought of it like that. I mean, I think it can be really difficult to say no, because you have all that, well, I want them to like me or, you know, there's those kind of complex things. It's so knowing you should say no, but actually saying no, how, how do you help people sort of set those boundaries? It's, it's a process because a lot of people, the idea of saying no just immediately will spark their panic. Like, you know, you feel it in your nervous system, your, your mouth starts to get dry, your heart rate starts to fuss, you feel the rush of despair coming uh-huh. up into your cheeks. <laughs> I wouldn't say to anybody, just say no, because that's going to spark their nervous system into total flight and fright. Fight? Can't get that out today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Um, first off, say someone asks something that you actually really don't want to do. And I use this mm-hmm. example a lot, but it's so true. I can't stand Tupperware. Sorry, Tupperware lovers out there. It's just, I don't I don't have a love for the plastic stuff. Okay. So I used to be the person, if you invited me to your Tupperware party, not only would I come and bring a plate, but I'd probably order a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff because I look like that friend, even though I don't even like the thing. <laughs> um, but, but the thing is, if I said no, if you're like, Suzanne, come to my Tupperware party, and I said no, I would be worried you'd never invite me again. Mm-hmm. So what I would say now is thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it, which I do. Yeah. I actually don't really enjoy Tupperware. Like, I'd be honest, and it takes time, so you might not be able to in the beginning. If you have a scrapbooking party, like, I'll be there with bells on, <laughs> probably be your best customer. Like, you know, so letting people know that you appreciate the invitation, you appreciate them, but this isn't really your jam. Because I don't know about you, but like giving, as I said, giving and receiving impaired states, overgivers are often really bad receivers. Like somebody will give you something and you'll be like, you shouldn't have. And what a way to disappoint someone. Yeah. Have you ever been really excited, planned this gift, maybe got it engraved, had it been so like waiting for their, their, and they're like, you shouldn't have. Yeah. My nan is one of those receivers. Oh, awful. The things she's rejected when she's given them. Shouldn't have spent your money on me. Yeah. So it's like retraining ourselves to be really good receivers and and it starts with small things like imagine a compliment if someone's like oh you're looking I just I love your dress today oh this old thing I got it at the op shop and it's like what why do we do that I know I know <laughs> that's I'm definitely guilty of that and the thing is because giving and receiving are paired states the more you're open to receive the more people give 
And I actually learned this lesson of all things from my son. He's six. He's the world's best receiver. We go anywhere and people just give him stuff. It's You would not believe, like I took him into a florist not that long ago and he was admiring the flowers, not touching, just admiring. And the florist came over and starts making like a little posy with him. And here I am thinking, oh, my goodness, how much is this going to cost me? (laughs) (laughs) And she didn't ask, so I was slightly affronted, if I'm honest. And then at the end she just gave it to him. And and he was like, of course, people just give me things. But not like not from a pompous, inflated thing, just a he's such a good receiver, people love giving him things. Oh, that's brilliant. That's something to aspire to, definitely. So it's just about like, so back to the Tupperware example, I got waylaid, but, you know, being honest that you do appreciate and, and you want to hang out with them, um, but not in that capacity. Or, because um, the other thing people will tend to do when we're not very good is we'll say, sure, and then we'll cancel at the last minute. Yes. And that's actually the worst thing to do because if, if, if I've catered for you, if I've made scones <laughs> and then everybody cancels, it's like, now I have all this food that I can no longer eat because I'm not an overeater anymore. <laughs> but it's like it's actually ruder. Like we we want to put off the, the discomfort of saying no to later because we think it's easier, but it's actually more disconnecting than being really honest and saying, you know, this isn't for me. Or if somebody, like somebody makes you something like food, mm-hmm. I made this just for you. So many of us will guiltily eat it even if we don't like it or it's not something we want to consume. Like for me now, I say thank you so much. Can I get some glad wrap to kind of take it home. I don't actually eat it later. Sorry if any of my clients or friends or whatever are listening to this, but the, the, it's in the receiving. I appreciate so much that was made for me. I love that, but I'm not eating something I don't want to to make you feel better. No, no. No, <laughs> no that's fair enough. You help clients with overgiving and mindsets. Have you had any results that were unexpected with clients? Oh, so many, because so many people can't come to me. It's actually, I'm, I'm currently rebranding, but it's funny. They come to me for physical weight loss, even though I don't say what to eat or how to exercise. So it's kind of funny when you, uh, when you work with me, <laughs> but the biggest thing is like the mental and emotional weight loss, because the thoughts about your body can be all consuming. They can keep you up during the night. They can be like, Oh, I, don't, I haven't seen this person in so long. What are they going to think? My fat pants don't fit. What am I going to wear? Um, people don't even yes. go to events. They book it. To, I remember working with a client who booked to go to a conference, spent $2,000 on the ticket and then didn't go because she was like, I'm embarrassed about how much weight I've gained. And this is so not oh, uncommon yeah. where people, especially with COVID and things like that, people want to see you for you. And as I say, the people who matter, I don't mean that in a harsh way, but you know, Um, And the critics and stuff, if it's not your weight, they're going to pull apart something else. For me, I swear too much or I talk too fast or I've got an Aussie accent or I've got a comment about my eyebrows. I'm a bit paranoid about them now. But (laughs) yeah, I don't know. Nothing. (laughs) This is audio. So I think it's listening. Can't see my eyebrows. But anyway, they want to see you and the people who love you sometimes don't even notice the weight until like even later if you give them a side by side. I remember I have this photo of me with my best friend when she was nine months pregnant and she tagged me and I removed the tag. I was humiliated because she's nine months pregnant and I'm bigger than her. We had a conversation. She read my book recently actually and, and ragged me and she's like, all the things I never knew you were going through because we don't say them. And I said about the photo and she's like, I never saw you as bigger than me. I just saw your vibrant smile and how great a friend you were. And it's just, and just reminding people, because we know that on some level, but we tend to forget. 
all because the thing is we think that when we lose weight we'll be magically happy and confident and all the things but you're actually still just you you take up less space (laughs) so it can be disappointing you're not magically confident so it's kind of like what is on the other side what's the next thing that they want to do because often the weight will be the thing that's holding them back because on some level it's more yeah it's more convenient than what's really happening absolutely absolutely and I guess that's why some people then go and put the weight back on because you get there and it's you don't feel how you thought you would feel and the other reason people put the weight back on is they don't address their overgiving so they go from over consuming okay. food to say over exercising, which people often laugh at. But I did that in my book. It's how I injured my back. So yeah. if you are not actually addressing what's driving your over consuming, you'll just transfer it from overeating to say over shopping and then overworking. And then and then it comes back. So yo-yo dieting, the, 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 I believe the foundation of that is that we're just pushing the the core issue from one thing to another and not actually addressing it that's a lot to think about that's that's really good so how did you actually become a mindset coach well when I had my second child so in 2015 I I swore to myself I would never diet again but I also didn't want to be that big because I weighed twice what I do now and I was googling (laughs) how do you lose weight without dieting? Like as we do, or how can you lose weight and still eat chocolate, all this sort of stuff. And I came (laughs) across an NLP coach, like neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah. And so I worked with her as a client for 18 months or so. And then I started a Facebook page. Actually today, the today that I'm recording this, my page has been up for five years because I got the little notification Facebook tells you. So I was just documenting my journey and a few people were like, oh, can I work with you? And I was like, eh. so this is, I'm truly the accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> and then I felt like kind of a fraud. I come from a science background. So I was like, I can't help people if I don't have a certification. And the lady I originally coached with was running a certification program. So I went and trained with her. I've done many. I'm a lifelong learner. That's me. Um, but that was the, the beginning of it. And um, yeah, it's just rolled from there. People listening might not have weight issues, like that might not be the thing, but your overgiving can show up in many ways. Like I know a lot of your audience from listening to your previous episodes uh, are entrepreneurs and, you know, overgiving in business, there's ways that can show up like sessions when the client comes late, so you go over to make up for it. Or if you've got a cancellation policy and then you don't honor it because like, you know, that they, you, you continually give and give and give. And, you know, it undercuts your, your business and your profits. So um, how we do one thing is how we do most things. I don't agree with the phrase is how we do everything because, you know, but how we do most things. So it's kind of looking like if you don't relate to it in the way that you're eating um, in your business, are you overgiving there too? And having the boundaries with the clients. And I love the quote by Brene Brown. She says, clear is kind. Because often we don't want to say no to our clients. We're afraid they might fire us or they, they might give us a bad review or something like that. Yes. But then we're not actually helping them. We're enabling them and they're hiring us to help them with whatever it is. And people actually really appreciate good, clear boundaries because then they know. So like, I actually don't respond to PMs. Like everyone's like, DM me on whatever. I'm like, do not, <laughs> do not DM me. I can't stand it. But yeah, being really, really clear about that. And I remember in, I run a group program and I just launched the latest round this week. And I said, like, don't tag me. I feel like I'm on call. 
Like I really, it, it, my nervous system, I see all the tags and I freak out and I go and hide like Homer Simpson yeah. in the bush in that gif. And I'm like, here is how I show up in the community. And then I go off the call and I'm like, okay, everyone's going to ask me for a refund. And they all loved it. They're like, because then they know clear is kind. This is how to communicate. So don't be afraid to set clear boundaries. And you don't have to explain why. Like I like to because people are like, oh, yeah, I don't like that either. Or I'd never thought about that before. Because also, too, it's a group program. If all of you send me a DM, then that's all I'm doing all the time. <laughs> so I contact in the group program, you post in the group. I don't answer DMs. And yeah, it's just being really clear because we can overgive in so many ways and then end up burnt out and overconsuming. Like in, in business, what do we overconsume with? I need a new certification. I need to fix my website. <laughs> it's the algorithm's fault. <laughs> a few years ago, I had a client and she would expect to be able to call me at 11 p.m. I didn't want to say no. And it actually helped me set boundaries. No, no 11 p.m. I'm not answering. <laughs> yeah. And also to be clear, because like sometimes like I don't work Fridays. So you, you're free to message me. You can message me whenever you want. Cause when I'm like recording like this or doing something, my phone's on silent. Cause sometimes, cause I work in Australia and a lot of my clients are overseas. They're like, Oh, am I going to wake her up? No, that's me and my responsibility to have my phone on silent. So you can message me at any time, but when I will respond is these times. <laughs> can be quite hard when you're just trying to set those out because you think oh I don't want to be rude like you said I don't want to lose them as a client but actually it's so much better for your sanity and something that I did recently was I used to have my emails pinging on my phone all the time you know and then I would feel like I had to respond had to respond so I actually separated out my personal emails from my business folder and then I and I hid the business ones into a folder so it's not visible and then I check them when I want to check them. So it's not if I wake yes. up in the middle of the night. And then it's having the discipline to stick to that because the thing is when my overgiving tendencies kick in and my blame and my martyr, it'll be like, I will go and look for people to rescue. It's like, you know, I'm supposed to be walking, but actually what if someone's emailed me? So it's like, that's where I need to take responsibility rather than absolving myself and saying it's their fault. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah that's a really good point I think as well exercise you can always be too busy at work to fit that in oh totally and it's it's getting really bluntly uncomfortably honest with yourself and seeing what really is a priority and what is yeah so it can be like instead of beating ourselves up because this is the way that we are wired to be this you know overly helpful we'll be like well hello where is this a sign that I'm not doing my own work and and why is that happening yeah, that's true. Where can listeners go to connect with you? My website is suzannekohlberg.com, which I no doubt you'll put in the show notes. I will. This is an interesting spelling. If anybody gets it on the first go, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be impressed. I don't think anyone ever has. And I have a newsletter that I send. You can sign up for there. It's unique content. I send it once a week. My newsletters absolutely rock. And for anyone in business, I promote my newsletter without a freebie because it doesn't need one. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been great talking to you. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Guest Podcast today. I'll talk to you again in the next episode.